the biggest thing that trips people up is our own money shit <laughs> and assumptions about how good we are, whether we on our product are worth it, whether people will pay it. It's like all 100% mindset. You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creatives Making Money. Today, we're speaking with the incredible Rebecca Tracy. Rebecca Tracy is the head slash only honcho at The Uncaged Life, where she works with coaches and other solopreneur type businesses to help them get clear on their brand message, create packages that sell, and help them learn what it actually takes to get and keep clients in the crazy online world, which by the way, let's be honest, it can be really cray cray. (laughs) Becca loves helping new business owners set prices that feel good to them so they can put their work out there confidently in the world. Becca, thank you so much for being here today. Obviously, Jamie Jensen. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So I actually had a conversation with a mutual friend of ours recently on this show, Kate Anthony. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The amazing Kate Anthony. Anthony. Yes. And the topic of pricing came up and I was like, I think I need to get Becca on this show so we can like really dive into pricing. Yeah. It's funny because I'm not, you know, I'm in my head, I'm like not the go-to pricing expert. Um, But I do love the way I teach pricing. Uh, And I think that it's what, especially creative people, and especially if you're kind of getting into business and starting to sell, um, it just really, really works. And it's like the best way that I have found to, to do pricing. So yeah. I love it. So before we like get into all the pricing stuff, can you tell us a little bit more about like, how did you start the uncaged life? And how did it become what it is now? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I started Uncaged back in 2011, and I was really feeling passionate about helping people create jobs that they really loved um, that would give them a lifestyle that they loved as well. And I was always one of those people who never had a quote unquote real job. I was kind of doing odd jobs here and there and had a great life, travel all the time, and really wanted to help other people create that. Um, and it kind of morphed into what it is now as it does, you know, in many, many different directions. Um, but I started it when I was traveling, I was living in a camper van with my boyfriend at the time and we were on like a year long climbing road trip. And, um, I remember talking about money. My goal then was to make $250 a month. And if I made that, I was like, I'm set, (laughs) I'm good to go. (laughs) So funny looking back, but it was like, you know, I, I remember setting super, super low expectations for starting, um, cause that's just what I needed. I, I couldn't be like, I'm going to make you know, six figures. Like that would have totally freaked me out. So I had to keep it like really, really small and simple. Um, and of course I 
exceeded that. Um, and my business has grown way, way more since then. But yeah, it started with a little bit of an idea and lots of free time on this road trip to kind of play around and test things out. Would you consider yourself a creative person? Like, do you no. self-identify as that? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. No. It's so funny because I feel that you are a wildly creative person. I guess, to, I mean, I guess to have a business, you kind of have to be a little bit, but I, I do not at all. No. So funny, right? Am I allowed to still be here? Are you going to kick me off? No, you just are creative, even though you haven't integrated that part of yourself yet. It's okay. Maybe. Okay. Much like the woo part of me. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no, but I have this great energy healer. You should totally see Jamie, but I'm not woo. <laughs> hey, I had a really great um, medical intuitive session yesterday. So I'm on board. I'm on board. Yeah. I want to hear more about that. I'll tell you later. <laughs> um, so back to pricing just for a second have you, I'm curious, like, how did you end up talking about pricing with your clients? How did that even happen that you started teaching it and, and it became kind of part of your curriculum and part of a step that you cover with, with clients and um, students? I know it's such a good question. Cause if I think back, I don't like, there was never a time where I was like, you know, what I need to do is teach pricing. <laughs> um, I think that I just went through the process myself of having to like set prices. Um, and through that process learned, how to do it in a way that, that always felt good to me. Um, and I started, my very first clients were free. I reached out to a couple of friends that I had and I was like, Hey, you seem like someone I want to coach. Can we like do this thing for a little bit and see how it goes? Um, and from there I moved on to pay what you want pricing. So with those same clients, I was like, Hey, that worked well. Like how about you pay me something now, whatever you want. And then from there, move them into full prices. And so I found that I was always kind of these were in like the very, very early days of my business. I was always shifting my prices in a way that felt really good for me that I could feel really confident in and that felt like they were in line with like the experience that I had doing what I was doing. So when I was brand new, I was like, I have no experience. I don't know if I'm good at this. I just need to like throw a bunch of shit at the wall and try it. And then as my confidence grew, I felt like I was able to raise my prices. And so once I started actually coaching people in their businesses, we just kind of used that strategy. I was like, I don't know what it feel good to you right now. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit more about my, my very scientific pricing strategy. Um, but it just, I found that it, it worked really well for me and it was working well for my clients. And so I was like, man, this is what we need to teach. Like there's so many different, I'm sure there's so many different ways to teach pricing and it's so subjective. So I just found that I found a way that would help clients feel good about it, which is really, you know, what you want with your pricing. Have you ever had what I'll call, what I'll call pricing anxiety, where you're like, I have this thing, but like, I'm not really sure what this should cost. And I kind of feel like maybe I want to charge more, but I don't know if I should charge more. <laughs> that kind of spinning dome of, of debating what something should cost. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like my main program on Cage Your Business, which you took years and years ago, um, I just turned it into an evergreen course. And so like to give you some real numbers, the live version of the course when I run it live twice a year was $9.97 for the early bird and $12.97 for the regular price. And turning it into evergreen, the strategist I was working with was like, yeah, it should be $9.97 for evergreen. I was like, what? But that's the same price as the live class and you don't get any of the live stuff. And she was like, so? <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And so it took me, it was, it was a, it was a shift. <laughs> There's a lot of money mindset shit that came up with that. Um, 
eventually I did double the price of the live round and make the evergreen one nine ninety seven. but it took a lot of like, no, it should be like two ninety seven. you know, going back and forth in my head. Um, and then realizing it's all so subjective, like poking around at what other people's online courses were. I was like, man, people sell the same thing for two grand and other people sell it for 200. So like how, like really, how do you know other than what feels good and what can I get on board with? And so I had to do some work to get on board with being okay with it being the 997 price point. Were you open to saying more about like the work you had to do mindset wise around it? Yeah, I had to, so I had to talk to some students who were in the course, um, who have been through the course and know the material well, and like really just flush it out with them. Like, Hey, you know, just the content is it good enough? Like I just straight up was like, do you think it's good enough? Right. And my students are like, yes. Are you kidding me? Um, and one of them in particular was like, you know, I didn't even come to any of the live calls and I barely used the Facebook group. All I used was the content and that's what you're selling. It's absolutely good enough. So I needed a little bit of like validation from students, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, because if they'd been like, actually, no, I never would have paid that much. I don't think it's worth that much. Here's how you could make it better Then I would have, you know, taken that to heart. Um, I also had to go through the course again, kind of with a fine tooth comb and really like see it with fresh eyes. Um, and I did add some more stuff into it where I felt like maybe there was some gaps if you didn't have me there to ask questions to. So it was a little bit of like validation externally, a little bit of internal validation. Um, and really just kind of looking at it for what it was, I was like, holy shit, this is a ton of content. Like this is definitely worth it. What do you think it's like, other people tripped up about pricing most commonly, you know, from clients that you work with or students who go through on cage your business, who are dealing with figuring out how to price their services or products. The biggest thing that trips people up is our own money shit <laughs> and assumptions about how good we are, whether we on our product are worth it, whether people will pay it. It's like all hundred percent mindset stuff. And I, it's crazy seeing it with my clients where, you know, they'll, we'll be creating a package or a program together and they'll tell me everything that's in it and all the results clients get and we'll come to pricing and they're like, what do you think? Maybe like $150. And I'm like, what? I thought you were going to say $1,500. And they're like, what? So just like the vast difference between the value that we offer and then in our heads, like what we think it's worth. And I think it's, especially when you're new to starting to sell things, um, it's much different from going from a job where like you just get paid for doing the work you do to having to go, Hey, I made this thing. Here's what I think it's worth. Right. It's such a mindset. Fuck. Totally. And like, just for more background information, for those of you who are not familiar with, with Becca's program on cage your business, it really walks like it walks aspiring entrepreneurs and kind of anyone in the entrepreneur space through really building the foundations of a successful business and especially in the online space, like what it takes to stand out and what it takes to like price in a way that feels good and put packages together and, and like kind of how to take your magic and like package it up and sell it in a way that's really awesome. Um, so just, just, I just want to make sure that the conversation we're having is anchored in like <laughs> understanding the context um, yeah, for people like beyond, I know I introduced her, but it's more specifically to kind of dig in when people do, you know, her program, um, that's what they walk away with. They walk away with like business foundations and kind of everything they need to go off and succeed really. 
And it's great because I, I see them at this really like new vulnerable stage where they're selling something for the first time. They're putting prices on like their brain, things that they've created in their brain for the first time. Um, and this is why I love working with people on pricing because it's just such a, it's so fascinating and it's so subjective. Um, but I see most of them are sell services. So we're not talking specifically about products here because there's a, you know, there's more that goes into selling products. I think when you've actually got to like make things and have a store, um, but for services, right. It's, it's weird to be like, well, this takes an hour of my time. How could it be worth $800 or a thousand dollars and doing the work around really kind of pulling out the answer to that. Why is it worth that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I agree. And also just so we didn't like bury the lead either. I, Becca's program was the first, like the first and only real program that I took uh, when I was first starting out to get my business feet grounded on the earth and figure out what <laughs> I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Cause you were kind of coaching then you were, I don't even know if you were, maybe you were integrating your writing a little bit, but you weren't doing copywriting. In the beginning, I wasn't doing copywriting. I was focused more on, I mean, to be, to, what's funny is I offer all of the same things now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I first started, I really just wanted to do writing coaching. Like that was all I really, like all I wanted to do was help people with writing, right? And so I did find another way to help people with writing yeah. um, that was really seamless and fun and a great way to like, again, package up, package up the natural genius and help it serve people. Um, it just, it didn't show up initially in the way that I had originally envisioned it would. Um, but now I get to do all those things in an interesting blend of services. So it's cool. Yeah. It's fun. Very cool. So what is the best way in your opinion, you know, what do you walk people through to, you know, what's your framework for pricing essentially? Yeah. So I like to go with the very scientific gut feeling price method. <laughs> so here's so how much science. There's so much science behind this. I can't even tell you. There's probably many articles written about it. Um, we'll dig them up later from the archives. But so for anyone who's trying to figure out a price for a service, like, do this with me. Here's, here's exactly what I do. It's really, really very complicated. <laughs> so um, most people have what I call like a low ball number in their head for a price. And this is when I ask my clients, like, what do you think about the price? And they're like, I don't know, a hundred dollars. Like this is kind of like that initial price that comes to mind. That's usually like way lower than you probably even want to charge. Right. And then I ask them to go to the opposite side of the spectrum and go, okay, well, what's the price that's too high, like so high that if you had to say that out loud to a client, you would probably like vomit on your shoes. There's no way you could actually name that price with confidence. And they'll be like, okay, well, $800 would be ridiculous right now. I'm like, okay, great. So we've got a hundred on the low end, 800 on the high end. And then we literally just like chisel away on each side. So if I'm doing this one-on-one with someone, I'll just call out numbers in between and I'll be like, tell me how this feels. 150. And they'll usually say like, kind of still too low. Okay. 700. Whoa, still too high. And we kind of whittle in and they'll get to somewhere in between. Sometimes it's closer to 100. Sometimes it's closer to 700 or 800. Um, but it's always higher than their first initial number, which is the goal, right? Cause then I'm like, I gave you a raise. You're welcome. Um, and the key is to find that sweet spot in the middle where it doesn't feel too low. Like you're not going to resent the work that you're doing. It doesn't feel so high that you're terrified to actually tell somebody your prices but it does feel like you're pushing yourself just a little bit. So you want to be like, not at the comfortable price, but just like a little bit ahead of it. So you're like, Oh my God, that's exciting. 
I feel confident in that. And oh my God, if I could make that, that would be amazing. That's kind of the feeling that you want to have. And the thing that I love about this pricing strategy is that it changes all the time. So you could work with two clients and then be like, you know what? The, the 400 I came up with is feeling kind of low. Like, I don't know, I'm going to bump it up a little bit and see what feels right. And so you get to raise your prices or to change your prices constantly. And you're never stuck being like, oh, well, that's my price. Therefore, that's what it's got to be. And what I love about this is you're always working within a zone that feels good for you. Um, Cause I don't know, I don't care what anyone says. I don't think any coach can come along and be like, you need to charge premium prices. Cause if you're not confident in it, you'll just never, like, I remember <laughs> when I first raised my prices that when I, when I was starting, I think I raised them a little bit higher than what I was confident in. I was terrified getting on consult calls with people, like didn't want to tell them the price, felt like I had to justify it, felt like I had to talk around it a bunch. And that's like not good for sales. It's so true. And I'm glad that you're bringing that up because when it comes, when you, when it comes to selling, you can't sell something that you don't want, want to confidently deliver, whether it's because it's something you actually don't want to do or because you don't feel deserving of the compensation that you're asking for. So if you're, and sometimes you can't sell something because you priced it too low, not just because, you know, the customer or the client is like, oh, well, I don't, it doesn't seem valuable, you know, because you priced it too low, but because you will, you know, intuitively on some like internal level that you'll have resentment if you're delivering the service for that price. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting how nailing that price is so important, you know, for selling for your own ability to sell as much as it is for someone to easily buy and say yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so obviously like with the gut feeling method, there's so many other things that come into pricing, right? Having a sense of what your competitors are pricing, kind of looking at the market, looking at the value that clients are going to get, um, looking at the, the perceived value. But at the end of the day, none of that matters if you can't be confident in your price. So I almost like, especially when I'm working with brand new service providers, we almost don't even look at that stuff. I'm like, I don't really care about anything else about pricing. You just have to feel confident in it to get started. And as you grow, you'll be able to look at your competition and kind of see what they're offering and, and see how you, where you fit into the market. But at first, like none of that stuff matters. So true. And what, <clears throat> when do you think is a good time for people to raise their prices? Cause you kind of touched on that with, well, you don't have to be locked in with this kind of gut pricing method. But I think sometimes people feel confused about when it's time, you know, like, is it okay? I've been at this price for five months or I've been at this price for however long. Yeah. Um, you think there's like I, a, a rule around when a good time to raise your prices? My rule is like, again, the gut feeling method is like, is it starting to feel too low? Right. And to just check in with yourself and then go, okay, well, I've been at, you know, whatever, $500 for this service for three years that's starting to feel too low. I feel like I don't get excited about booking clients at that price. I'm like kind of starting to resent it. It's not worth my time. And then you just do it again. You're like, okay, 500 is a low number. A thousand is a high number. What do I come to in between? Um, I know, I think it's a great idea to do it with every couple clients you get. And eventually you'll hit a point where you're like, okay, that's the highest that I can reasonably go for this, right? Like you're going to get to a price point eventually where it's like, that's probably my max. Um, and that's fine. But that can happen as, as fast or slow as you'd like it, depending on where your confidence levels are. What do you think most interferes with people pricing what they actually want to charge? You know, it's like, and I know we kind of touched on this with like, well, it's like that they feel that they don't deserve it. Or do you think it's just the confidence in the service they're delivering? And, and like, it just takes time then. 
there's, I think there's so many things, but definitely the confidence. If you're, you know, a brand new life coach, let's say who's coming out of coaching school, maybe comes from like a corporate background where you've got a ton of training in one thing. And now you're kind of breaking out and doing this totally new thing. It makes sense that your confidence is not there. You need to build your confidence and you probably need to build your skills as well. So sometimes it's just the confidence um, and I'm not about cheerleading for false confidence. It's not like you, you can do it. You deserve it. Charge what you're worth. Like you might not be that kind of a coach and you might need to practice and you might need to get those results and those testimonials built up. Um, but that's only a small piece of it. Obviously there's a lot of our own money shit that comes up. Um, I, you know, I'm sure you and I could jam on money mindset stuff for the next three hours. <laughs> Things like, you know, being rich is bad. Money is dirty. If I make a lot of money, it's going to make me a bad person. Um, you know, there's so many people starving in the world. I don't, why do I deserve to make this much money? That's one of my personal ones. Um, there's just so many things from our childhood and perceptions that we have around money that really, really block us. And maybe when you're starting in business, you're not going to notice it because you're charging like fairly reasonable rates. But as you start to grow, um, you better believe that stuff is going to come up. Right, Jamie Jensen? <laughs> oh, yeah, it totally does at every step of the process. <laughs> and I think that it even you I think that it like shows up in waves, too, even after even after you've been at a price point for a certain amount of time there's still an occasional like blip of pricing anxiety that can show up and be like, wait, is this the right price for this? Am I doing this right? Like, is this okay? Is this valuable enough? So, you know, I think that it's, that's normal to feel that. So if anyone's listening and they're like, yeah, I mean, I set my price, but I'm struggling with selling it at this price because the confidence isn't there or there are days where the confidence is there and days where it's not, you're not a freak. That totally happens. Yeah. So don't, don't think that you get to some pinnacle of perfection with pricing and then suddenly feel like I feel so good all the time, every day about all my pricing and all my selling. Yeah. You might until you start to feel resentful of it and then you need to raise it. <laughs> and then all of that stuff comes up. Yeah. It's like every time. And this is another thing that I like that we're touching on is this idea of, you know, especially when you said with the gut pricing method that you want them to feel like like they feel confident, but they, they feel excited. Like they're pushing their edge a little bit. And I yeah. think that's an important, you know, you want to find that, that space in, in all the areas of your own growth where you feel safe enough and confident enough to actually take action and, and move forward with some level of, um, you know, determination and confidence and enthusiasm. And you want to find that edge where you're still pushing yourself a little bit, but you're not pushing yourself so hard that you, uh, like shut down, you know, because you're too yeah. scared or you're paralyzed or, or you're convincing yourself that it's not right. Yeah. Cause you've got to be excited about taking on new clients. Right. And if you're, if your prices are low and you're not excited about it, like this is really not good for business in so many ways. And so I find if you raise your prices up from that to where you're excited, all of a sudden your marketing is going to get better. You're going to get your hustle on. You're going to be like, you're going to kind of reignite something in your business where before it might've been like you starting to resent your clients, you're starting to resent your work. Maybe you're losing interest. Sometimes a pricing change is all that you need to kind of help reinvigorate things. So true. I'll also say <clears throat> with the concept of packaging, which is something that you cover with people as well, there are ways to kind of build strategic prices into what your offers are too. Um, I don't know if that's something that you ever touch on, Becca. Um, yeah. Um, which, say, say more about what you mean by strategic, building and strategic offers. Yeah, so 
it's kind of like when you make an offer and then there's like lots of bonuses. So it becomes a no brainer because you're, you're pricing strategically around the value delivered or you're kind of creating three different offers that are tiered potentially. Right. And then highlighting like the middle tier, which supposedly is the one that people tend to buy the most is like the one in the middle. They won't buy like the least expensive option and they won't buy the most expensive option, you know, depending on who you are, you might, but there's often, you know, two or sometimes, and you'll see this on sales pages, even like when you go to buy for events, there's like a VIP ticket version. And then there's another version. Um, you know, if you see that, that's, a, you know, one big reason why that happens is people do get to kind of self-segment and self-select where they want to be on that spectrum. Yeah. But you'll also see psychologically, most people will be like, well, I don't want the cheapest thing. (laughs) And some people will, some people based on their own like attitudes, beliefs, money mindset will be like, I'm definitely bringing, getting going on the cheapest option or buying in at the cheapest option. So um, that's just something else I wanted to bring up for people to think about as they're deciding to like package up different offers or, or, you know, if there's, if they want to like sell a workshop and maybe they want to add additional value, you know, for people who, who can invest at a higher ticket level or something, you know? Yeah, I did a bit of an experiment with that when I was first getting started. I created um, like a little online how-to guide. It was called BizShiz. I don't know if you remember that. And it was just a whole bunch of stuff. It was like how to do a whole bunch of different things. Totally random. Um, And I created it overnight. It was a super quick little online product. And I was selling it for pay what you want. And the thing with pay what you want is nobody knows what to pay. <laughs> My friend Ted Hargrave from Marketing for Hippies talks about pay what you want stuff all the time because he leads workshops that are totally pay what you want. So he's got a lot of really fascinating um, like data and information about that model. Um, but the one thing is that people don't know what to pay. So you need to give them a little bit of an idea. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a page from his book and I'm going to write on the sales page. You know, it's pay what you want. Here's an idea of what to pay. You know, if you are dead broke, struggling, $0, hustling to build your business, pay me $27. If you're like got a couple clients or maybe you've got a full-time job and things are okay, it's no big deal, pay me $47. And if you're like, you know, this is a drop in the hat, whatever, I make a shit ton of money, pay me $67. So I had those options and most people paid the middle one. Most people paid $47. Um, and after a couple months of that, I was like, let's see what happens. And so I raised them from $27, $47, and $67 to $47. 67 and 87, I think. And what happened? Most people started paying $67. So it was fascinating. And it just validated something that I I already knew, which is like people like the middle tier, right? People don't want to be on the cheap end. They don't want to be expensive end. Um, Of course, there was exceptions, but it was fascinating that pricing is such a, it's such a perception um, that, you know, part of our job is to help show people what that value is and kind of help them land somewhere with it. And that's a lot of like what copywriting does is help them really kind of understand what the value is. So when they see the price, it like makes sense for them. Totally. And I have a fun story with BizShiz. I don't know if you know this. I might've told you this. I don't remember, but BizShiz, I, I feel like I paid $15 for it, which is hilarious. Possibly. Cause I think at first I had it as just like pay what literally whatever you want. And I, fe- I think that I, it was like, I had just fa- like found you on a podcast or something, went to your website, found BizShiz, bought it, looked at it and was like, I love her. I will do anything she does. And then you like opened up on Cage Your Business. And it was, I was like, yes, I don't think we had a conversation. Like we, I was not one of those people that emailed and was like, hey, 
Yeah. Tell me more about the program because <laughs> BizJiz pre-sold me. It was like the perfect example of a well, a well-built funnel to mm-hmm. me that you had like this offer that allowed me to kind of like see what you were about and completely sold me on you. Um, which is just, it's so fascinating. Like, I think that that's just a good example of a well-operated funnel that I don't even think it was like an intentional funnel. It just, no, hundred percent not intentional. Cause I didn't know what a funnel was. <laughs> I remember like finding you buying bishes, getting certain emails and then like getting the emails about, uh, UIB opening up. And it was just like, it all happened ex- at the exact right timing. And it was all within like two weeks of each other, I think. And this is the thing with pricing, right? It's like when you can show and give value in the rest of your business, the prices, whatever your price is, makes a whole lot more sense for people. Um, When they see that you way over deliver, you create amazing stuff, you do awesome webinars, you're amazing on your Facebook lives, whatever the way is that you're putting your content out there, you know, all of a sudden your price that if they just saw the price maybe would have felt too high becomes almost like, wait, what, that's it? (laughs) Right. Jamie and I have done webinars before and I, you know, you get to the pitch section and I'm always like, oh, that seems really cheap for everything that you're, that you're giving. And so part of your job with pricing is not just to like set the price, but to do all of the, do, do, do all of your due diligence around it to actually like bolster people with the trust that you're actually going to deliver something good for that value. So true. I kind of want to take a little bit of a right turn, left turn. I don't know. We're turning in another direction here. (laughs) Whichever way we feel like going, maybe we'll just go up and go in a hot air balloon. But, <laughs> <laughs> because I know that um, you've also invested in things beyond your business, right? Like you have some property, I think, right? I do. Yeah. And I think that's just a fun thing to, to talk about. I mean, I'm curious to hear from your perspective, what that process of it, like kind of making an investment like that has been like for anyone who's thinking about expanding their own financial portfolio beyond, you know, bringing, you know, bringing in revenue for their, from their main business. And then if they have a vision beyond that, or if they want to kind of think about um, other types of investments and assets to put into their, their, their money portfolio. Yeah. Oh God. I'm definitely not, (laughs) definitely not an expert to talk about that stuff. Um, So I own a condo in Tulum uh, and then I own a a loft here in Toronto. Um, so the t- here's my thing with money. <laughs> I am very, my, my attitude towards money is very easy come, easy go. And it's always been like that. We didn't grow up with money. Uh, my mom was uh, on, had mental illness and was on disability, you know, most of my life. We didn't have a lot of money, but it still just always felt like it was easy to me. I was like, yeah, if I want to make money, I'll go get a bunch of jobs. And if I want to spend money, I'll go travel for a bunch and I won't worry about it. And it kind of just always worked out. I went into huge debt going to university and then I quickly hustled and paid it off. Um, and so <laughs> with buying my condo in Tulum, it was a very, very quick decision. It was literally, I was in Tulum. I was at one of these condos, um, staying with a friend and we were like, Oh, these places are really sweet. I wonder how much they cost. And I kind of went and looked it up and found that the developer was building a very similar building, um, that was on pre-sale. And I was like, oh, I did pretty well, pretty well in my business this year. I think I'm going to buy one. And I just like went for it. Didn't do the research, <laughs> didn't crunch the numbers. Wasn't like, Oh my God, let's see if this is actually like the best investment. Um, it just seemed like a good idea and seemed really fun. Not, this is not what everyone should do. Um, but it was a super good learning experience. I've learned now that it was definitely not the best place to put my money. Um, but I think that because of my mindset around money, easy come, easy go, nothing's a big deal. You can sort it out. Um, it's, I'm not stressed about it. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll sell it next year. I'm going to go spend a couple weeks there and work this winter. 
And I think that that really pays off in business. I know Jamie, you invested a lot in your business. Like you spend so much money on, on things in your business. And I, I just think that having that attitude of like that it's, and it's a very privileged attitude. Let's admit that. But having that attitude of like, I can, I can make money easily when I need to is so, so helpful for, for everything in your life, <laughs> just for operating in your life from a place of like not serious stress around money all the time. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the hardest things to do is to, is to receive money when you are stressed about money. Um, (laughs) when you're anxious or desperate or scared, it does not, it is not good for sales. It doesn't feel good and it's not, people can smell that. So it's, you know, there's just, it makes selling even harder. So it's kind of a, even if you are in a place where things feel scarce, I do believe that acting as if they're not scarce is still going to be your best move forward to create the finances that you want to create. Yeah. And, yeah. I and, even, that, and it, yeah. that doesn't have to mean like, Oh, just go take all your money and spend it on something frivolous. And that'll show that you're, you know, not scared. That's not necessarily it, but it's even just like the language around, um, Oh, this so-and-so is so expensive or like, I can't afford this thing. Like just starting to pay attention to some of the language that you use around it can really, really shift things. Right. Cause it can be disempowering to say, I can't afford it, which sounds like a statement that when your financial situation is actually always in flux and temporary and moving and, and flowing, there isn't, it's not permanent. You know, you're always kind of cycling through money as you're going through the activities of everyday life. Um, so yeah, you do want to approach those statements from an empowering point of view for sure. And the other thing I'll say about investing in business, just cause Becca, you brought that up. I invest a lot in my business and I'll say that I think that my financial and like my investment decisions are probably 60, 40, like 60%. I'm like, this is really smart because I get, I always get a return on money. I invest in my business. And then I think, 40% 40% is still like an, it's an emotional decision. It's not, you know, it's, it's from a place of like, I just really need, I know that I need to do this and I don't really know why I need to do this. I just know that I need to do this. And I take, I, it's a, it's, I gamble on myself a lot. And most of the time it works out. Yeah. Sometimes it's not as profitable as I'd like it to be, but I will say that the only way to learn lessons in business is to like take risks, right? Like the only way that you would have learned what you learned for you and your, your style of operating Becca is like, to be like, I'm going to buy a condo in Tulum. And then now now you know so much though, right? Like how much did you learn from that experience? (laughs) I had to open a Mexican company to buy this condo. I own a corporation in Mexico, folks. I learned a lot. (laughs) Um, And now I laugh about it, right? I'm like, well, that was a stressful, expensive decision and it's fine. You know, it's, it's fine. Um, and I'm, and I'm in a good place where I have the money in my business and it's not putting me out of house and home to have, you know, made that decision. But um, I think, you know, an interesting way to start to think of how to do this, because I'm sure there's people listening who are like, yeah, but like <laughs> my business is not making any money, even though this is called creatives making money. Maybe you're not making it yet. And so how do I get into that mindset of like, you know, spending anyway? And I think it's just like really small things, like starting to you know, I don't know, I don't know what an example is for business, but you know, if the, if the app, let's say the app that you really need to run your webinars is $30 a month and you've been like, no, I don't want to spend it. Like spend the $30 a month and allow yourself to kind of 
have that thing that you know is going to make your life easier and you know is going to help your business and just see how it feels to make the decision from a power place being like, I need this and this is good for my business. Right. So we're not saying go take 20 grand and drop it into a mastermind, spend the 30 bucks on the app and, and see how that feels. And just starting to make little changes with where you invest and allowing yourself to kind of push your limit of what you think you can afford and what you think is worth it can, can have bigger shifts along the way. It's interesting, right? How pushing the comfortable edge in investing is, is just as important as pushing the comfortable edge in pricing sometimes I've found. Oh yeah. Well, because here's the thing you can't, you can't get, what am I trying to say? (laughs) It's hard to sell something that you wouldn't pay for yourself. And that's where a lot of people's money stuff comes up, right? Like I could probably in my business never sell a $30,000 mastermind because I don't, I don't think I would ever invest in one at this point, maybe 20 K, but like there's, there's a limit where I'm like, I wouldn't buy that. And so I couldn't sell that. And so you really need to make sure that you're at that level where you're investing in the same types of services for the same types of price points that you're wanting to charge. Cause you, you gotta be on that same page. I 100% agree before, um, Okay, I, we could have this conversation like all day and for hours. Actually, <laughs> actually, I have one more question before the final question. And that is, remember, I remember this really well. You always had like, I don't remember what it was called though. So I'm going to mangle this probably, but you had like a money hustle bonus thing, like a mini course on making money. Like, yeah. What was it called? So that was, um, I think that it was something, so when Kate, um, Kate Merle and I were running our retreats in Belize, we had a lot of people who were like, I really want to be there and I can't afford it. And so we were like, great. And Kate has the same attitude about money. So we were like, what can we do to help people like believe that they can get themselves there and make this money? And so we created a bit of a money hustle. Um, and it was, I can't remember what it was. We did like a webinar and we just talked about some of our own money stories and kind of got people starting to pay attention to their own money stories and beliefs. And then we created a bunch of challenges. And one, one of the big ones was for people to write out or to, to write down on a list 50 different ways they could go and make money like this week. And like 10 ways is easy. 50 ways is a lot. And so it kind of pushed people to get out of just the day-to-day things that they could think of and like start to get really creative. It didn't mean that they had to go and actually do all of those things, but it was just an exercise in starting to get creative about how you could make money and all the different ways that you could do that. Um, so that was in order to help get people who were in this mindset of like, I can't afford it to be like, wait, what if I, what if I can afford it or how can I afford it? And shifting, shifting some of their language around that. And it was great. People who at first were like, I can't come. were like, damn, I did the money hustle and I'm in, like I made the money. No problem. Super fun. So awesome. Yeah. I love that. Cause to me, I'm like, it's so, to me, it's easy to make money. Um, I am a white girl. I live in Canada, <laughs> very privileged. So that comes from this place. But in terms of like, you know, going to get a part-time job, selling more of our services, um, you know, getting creative with selling affiliate stuff. Like there's just so many different ways, especially when we have businesses, those ways grow exponentially that I like to think of it as a bit of a game. And that money hustle was a super fun game for people. And it really showed a lot of people that they had a whole bunch of beliefs about money that were not helping them. And it started to open their eyes to like all of the different fun things that they could do in order to start bringing in money for the things that they really wanted to invest in, in their lives. I love that. And I would, I would love for everyone listening. (laughs) If you're listening to this, consider this your challenge from Becca Tracy to you. 
to write down 50 ways that you can go make more money this week. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you, the challenge is accepted and, and I'm looking forward to seeing those answers in our Facebook group. Yeah. Um, yes, for sure. Even if you only get to like 10 things, go post them. It's actually really fascinating reading other people's lists because you get so many ideas. You're like, oh my God, I could totally actually go do that, right? All, you're not going to implement all of the things. Um, some of them are going to be so far-fetched <laughs> that you're like, that's never going to happen. Um, but some of them you might just implement and it can be, yeah, it can be pretty inspiring. I love it. So the final question on this podcast that I ask everyone, so don't feel like cornered by this. Is, oh God. <laughs> I'm really curious for your answer. It's a fun question. If you had $5 million, like just sitting, like it just appeared in your bank account from a, you know, a very kind angel, investor, <laughs> human, person, magic, whatever. And there was no, no strings attached, no taxes. Like there was nothing that you had to do for it. It was just like, here you go. This is yours. $5 million to do what you want to do. What do you think you would do with that money? Oh my God, Jamie, that's a really hard, stressful question. <laughs> you should warn people about this question. Um, my, you can take your time answering. It's not like you have to rush into it. Okay, I'll, be, I'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think on this. Um, I, I don't know. My, the first thing that comes to mind is um, I would love to take huge chunks of it to support the people that I know now that I have in my life, people who are close to me, friends, families of friends who are struggling. Um, I grew up with a mother who was very much struggling, did not have a lot of money, was on disability. Um, and, you know, that obviously hits close to home. And so I think like really taking care of people in my community that really need that support um, is just kind of the first no brainer. That's not going to take $5 million probably. So probably spend a good chunk of it investing in my business so I could help more people start their businesses, which has a huge ripple effect. Um, yeah, those are the main things. I'd have to do the math on how much that would cost. It probably leaves a lot of millions left though. You can just like buy some more condos in Mexico or something. Yes. Everybody welcome. <laughs> Awesome. So where should I send people to go stalk you, Rebecca Tracy, and find out more about you and uncage your business? And I know that you have a pricing guide, so I'm definitely going to link that up in the show notes. So if you want to actually walk through some of Becca's pricing strategy, um, she does have a pricing guide that you can go download from her site and um, go through it yourself, which is super awesome. So thank you. Yeah, the pricing guide will walk through um, the two pricing strategies. So we talked about one of them, which is the gut feeling one. And then there's a second one that you kind of have to use in conjunction with that. Um, so that'll walk you through that. And then, yeah, Facebook group is always great. Uncaged Lifers is the Facebook group. Um, when you sign up for the pricing guide, you'll probably get a link to that somewhere or you can just search for it on Facebook. Come in and post your lists. I want to hear your lists of the 50 things that you would do to make money if you had to. Yeah. So awesome. And I'm in that group too. So if you post your list in that group, I will, I will go peek, peek at them and check them out yeah. too, for sure. <laughs> you can tag me in that group. Awesome. Becca, thank you so much for being here today and for being super transparent and honest about all the money shit. It's appreciated. Thanks for having me. Super fun to talk about money. Awesome. All right, Becca, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money, but don't go anywhere without subscribing. 
And remember, after the show, it's the after party. I do a weekly after party on Facebook Live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Each week, I'll be jamming there on special actionable takeaways for you from the most recent episode. You can go to creativesmakingmoney.com slash afterparty to join us and make sure you like the page there to get updates for whenever I am live. And if you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives, you can. Part of the purpose of this podcast is to create conversation, and my biggest hope is that you continue the convo in our private online Facebook lounge. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join the free group. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes, available at creativesmakingmoney.com slash Rebecca Tracy. That's Tracy with an E, T-R-A-C-E-Y. This episode is sponsored by Copy That, my signature course for writing websites that speak volumes and sell, something that every creative making money for sure needs. To learn more about my approach to writing that sells, you can visit thecopythatcourse.com slash free training.